1: That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Screen Heroes, your film and TV podcast here on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your regular host, Derek, and I have with me my two lovely regular co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray.
3: Sup, sup.
2: Sup, sup. This week, we got a big episode for you. We're changing up the format just a little bit. Our main topic today is Project Power, the superhero flick from Netflix, starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So that'll be after the first break. Of course, we will start with entertainment news. But then after everything, at the tail end of the episode, we're going to talk for a little bit about the latest from the Mandalorian on Disney plus. So that way, if you haven't watched it yet or whatever, you can listen until then, and then you can hop off. We promise to give spoiler warnings before we go on that. All right. So news this week, what do we got going on in the world of entertainment? So lots of different things. We got a brand new kind of trailer for justice league, the Snyder cut or Zack Snyder's justice league or whatever we're calling it these days. This new trailer actually has two different versions, depending on where you watched it. There is a black and white version, but the one uploaded to YouTube on HBO Max's channel is not in black and white. And that was the version I saw. So I was very confused when I saw people talking about it being in black and white. But do you guys have any thoughts about this new trailer and the tiny amount of additional footage?
4: I actually had no idea that there was a new trailer um apart from hearing some stuff and seeing some gif gifs today while I was at work but uh I'm glad we finally got it got the uh question answered about the hologram that we saw in the old uh theatrical cut trailer that everybody was like is that supergirl is that who is that it's no, just it's superman, superman. Yeah. yeah just like everybody thought it was except for the weird people that thought it was supergirl <laughs> for some reason
2: the weird people to be fair he has said snyder has said that he wanted to bring in supergirl into the dceu so
3: in all fairness snyder wants to bring in everyone yeah and not only that
4: he did leave an open pod in man of steel you could see it in the ship there was a second pod on his ship or something like that and everybody thought that was Kara. but who knows yeah but it was nice to get that answer that it was superman the whole time anything
2: from you ray
3: i Honestly, couldn't figure out what was the new stuff. Uh, The hologram. uh, Okay.
2: That was basically it.
3: Sweet. There you go, guys.
2: The kids playing football on the street. That was a new shot. Okay. Um, And then I think the Themyscira shot was a new shot. I'd have to do a straight up comparison, but it was very minimal. What was added in that. I think it was just a re-release of the trailer, basically, because there were rights issues. For Hallelujah the first time.
3: (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's my only issue still, is that song does not go with anything, ever. (laughs) Unless you're Zack Snyder,
4: then it goes with everything, ever.
3: I love that song. I love that so much. But there are like 10 million different versions of it that would be better.
4: And Zack Snyder's goal is to have that, every one version, every different movie that he does and eventually he'll get to all 10 million versions
3: (laughs) that version is just so off-putting it's not sexy it's not i i guess grandiose it's it's just creepy so it's
4: definitely like the worst one of the worst versions i've heard maybe not the worst but it's not a not one that i would have picked
2: right I mean that's that's fair I, I think the rights issue probably came because he didn't realize he has to keep buying rights to the song like he, he probably right he probably he paid thinks for he has it
3: to... once now he owns it forever don't they have right. le-
2: like a legal team that's supposed to decide that kind
4: of or figure out that kind of
2: stuff
3: absolutely
2: i mean you would think why is so? it on zach snyder to figure that out i mean i guess it depends how they're like releasing these trailers right like this is a weird situation in general. Maybe it's just him in a room and he's like, all right, trailer, go. I don't know.
3: Who knows? I, I don't know what goes on in his head, but I do like to see it once it's all said and done.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair.
4: As long as you don't have to hear it.
3: I don't want to hear that song. <laughs>
4: but he's had it in basically every movie. It really it stood out in 300 to me. I'm not sure why uh, <laughs> Why they had it in there. but
3: Jesus. <laughs> Now so, somebody
4: needs to make like a recut of, uh, of like the 300 trailer with that song.
3: Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure somebody has.
2: That's
1: got to be out there.
3: I mean, I'd be fine with like us doing that.
2: There you go. So we learned a couple other little things about the Snyder Cut this past week. First, we learned that the new footage that was shot this fall which is which was the quote reshoots that they were scheduling for this fall that several actors were coming back in for is only going to amount to about four to five minutes of footage my guess this is just a guess is that it's really going to be just to uh bridge the gap between the different parts because it wasn't originally designed that way That's
3: my i think guess. that makes sense
4: could be or i've seen the theory that it's to uh set up something at the end. Mm. you know, some new project.
2: That might explain why they wanted to do some stuff with Ezra Miller specifically and the other piece of the news is that Ezra's in London filming Fantastic Beasts and the third one. And uh, Zach Snyder got to shoot with him on the sound stage for Fantastic Beasts using a virtual presence device and the film crews over at Fantastic Beasts, which is really just some fun COVID pandemic era stuff right there.
4: <laughs> yeah. It's co- it's cool that he was able to do that and get what he needed. And it's cool that it was another Warner Brothers production. So you know, the big daddies at Warner Brothers had to be like, you guys are doing this. Make it happen.
2: Right. Like I want to be on one hand, I want to say like, man, this is just a like cool cooperation, but yeah. No, the same no.
4: <laughs> they were forced to do it <laughs> by the bosses. Yeah.
2: Daddy right. Warner. Do you think exactly. it's like all it takes at this point is for Zack Snyder to be like, Hey, I need Ezra for 10 minutes. And everyone's like, okay, what do we, well, how do we do that? Yes. <laughs> right. Cause we
4: want to stop spending money on this movie. So let's get him whatever we need so we can be done with it. Mm-hmm.
2: So you say that, but every like six weeks, there's more money that's being spent on the movie. So I don't right. even know at this point.
4: I, I don't feel like there's, I feel like they're setting it up so that there's no way it's actually considered successful, like monetarily. <laughs>
2: on purpose yeah well we spent so much money we just assumed we wouldn't recoup
4: exactly yeah maybe <laughs> i mean i don't know it's gonna show us a loss no matter what how, how good or how bad it is
2: I, I mean i guess i guess it depends right we we don't know it's hard to know the full cost of the film at any point and then we don't know what the marketing budget was the first time let alone this time for the snyder cut it's a very weird yeah very weird situation but i mean there you have it continuing with like the dc stuff so this i'm gonna want your opinion on this one guys wonder woman okay it's the last wonder woman 84 is the last major film release scheduled in 2020 everybody else is pushed at this point right uh new guy pushed and uh, the nile movie pushed everything else is pushed there's now been some talks that maybe wonder woman would either be released uh or like with a short theatrical window or basically simultaneously with an HBO max release rather than just continuing to get pushed like the other major blockbusters have, you know, like black widow, for example, or bond 25. What do you guys, first off, what do you think is going to happen? But what do you want to have happen if those are not the same?
4: Uh, I mean, I don't know what my personal opinion is that I would much rather watch it sitting at home in my PJs, you know, with my dog in my lap rather than go to a movie theater full of sick people coughing on each other. Um, So yeah, I would prefer an HBO max release, but uh, Patty Jenkins has come out and said that they will never release on a streaming service because it's meant to be viewed in the big screen and everything else. I don't know. I mean, they probably will end up making it an HBO max release because, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier uh, in our chat, I think it was in our chat, but you can't just have money sitting out for so long without getting something back for it, or else it starts to feel like a loss, even if it isn't going to be in the long run. So,
3: Right. I I have to agree. I think the longer that these movies just lie in wait, and I know they're ready, the more I just want to see them. I don't want to wait for the world to be healthy again because honestly the u.s does not have their shit together and it'll be a while before this country is safe enough to do that so i i think just sitting on products like that is a mistake and i am ready to see these films that's fair
2: yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys on that. One thing I, I maybe think they could do, depending on when they decide to release and what the state of COVID is at that point in time, but the the Bill and Ted method I thought was smart. They released simultaneously in theaters and VOD. And so that way the limited seating that theaters have and the people who have access to them could have that option if they choose to go. And then the rest of us could rent it or purchase it through VOD and watch it You know, this, at the same time essentially. And
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and I know we all kind of want it to go to HBO Max because we're already paying for that. But I do think that that the VOD plan would be a little more realistic. They can charge the 20 bucks for it that everybody else would normally charge for it and recoup at least some of that. Right. Because even, you know, if two people see every one of those, it's still 10 bucks a person instead of zero. Right. So that's kind of what I expect to see. And I'd be fine with that. Obviously, Perfect World is HBO Max, but I don't have a problem renting a big movie like Wonder Woman 84.
4: I don't have a problem with it either, but you yes, asked what our ideal was. So I'd be happy to. Well,
2: I asked both. I asked what you thought would happen and what okay, would be fair. ideal. And that's what I think is going to happen. I, th- I think they'll do a theater and VOD simultaneous release, depending on the state of COVID. If COVID's as bad as it is right now, when they release, they I think it'll just be straight VOD.
4: I think I'd pay like 20 bucks, but any more than that I don't know if I'd be willing to go for it.
2: Yeah, and that's the standard. I mean, Mulan was the outlier at 30. That was a high price. Everybody else has been 20.
3: Yeah. I would like to keep it. If I pay 20 bucks, I would like that to be mine, but I completely understand if that's also a rental.
2: Yeah, that seems to be the rental price. Usually the purchase price is, is $24.99 instead of $19.99. So you rent it right. for $19.99, purchase it for $2499. Um, you know, I, I'm with you there. Because it's gonna end up on HBO Max, I'm a little less particular about that because it'll end up being available to me anyway. And if I'm gonna own it, I'd rather have a physical copy. Classic. Classic, Derek. Classic. Yeah. All right. Well, the last bit of DC news, because this is just crazy that it kind of came up at all is Peter storm came out and said that there's a sequel in the works for his and Keanu Reeves version of Constantine, which coincidentally we reviewed earlier this year for its anniversary. Do you, did you guys think that this was even a remote possibility? I think we've joked about it.
4: I mean, I think at this point, it's silly to think that there's nothing that's a remote possibility, uh, uh, you know, everything is possible, you know, (laughs) I, I I don't know. I like the movie. It just isn't like super close to Constantine uh, other than the name. Um, But if, you know, I can get past that. It's fine. It's, it's a, it's a cool character. And, uh, you know, we were, I think we were all disappointed that it never got a sequel when we talked about it uh, earlier this year. So It'd be cool, but I kind of, if I had my choice, I would kind of ask them to abandon that and do something that's a little closer to its roots, uh, a little more comic accurate, because that's what I would want personally. But I'd be okay. I wouldn't be shooting down a Constantine 2 with Keanu if it was going to be a real thing.
3: Again, I completely agree. I would have loved a sequel back closer to when the movie came out. Uh, but since that didn't happen, at this point, I've kind of gotten addicted to Matt Ryan's portrayal, and I would love to see him included. A sequel at this point feels to me like they want to include Keanu in the DCEU before Marvel can get their hands on him. And <laughs> if that's the case, if that's the plan, then, you know, they better act fast, Because right now, Keanu is box office gold. And that's just really what companies are looking at, obviously. Like, the only reason people are talking about Constantine 2 is because Keanu is on a hot streak right now. So, I... If they do it, I hope it's good. The character was fun. Peter Stormare as uh, Lucifer was great. I would love them to bring back Rachel Weisz. Her character was awesome.
4: Peter Stormare was was absolutely a highlight of that movie. And he was probably one of the best portrayals of the devil in film, period, in my opinion. And he only got 10 minutes or something of screen time. Yeah,
3: one scene and he kills it. Yeah,
4: at the very least, seeing more of him as the devil would be worth it. you know. I, or I agree. just keep him and reboot the Constantine character. Like I said, as much as I love Keanu, I'd like to see something a little more comic accurate.
3: Well, you don't even need Keanu, but the problem is that the same character is currently on a Netflix show. You know, Peter Stormare and the one on netflix that lucifer are technically the same character neil gaiman created them both or created the same guy so uh it could get a little dicey as to who they want to continue in the dceu if they want to continue anybody but yeah peter Stormare was just absolutely insanely good his as soon as he steps on screen your eyes are like drawn to him
2: for sure yeah, I, I mean, I'm a Peter Stormare fan anyway, let alone as good as a job he, as he did in this. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have to worry about the casting stuff and multiple versions because the DCEU is is steering very hard into the multiverse. Oh, yeah. Right? And that's both on the big and small screen. So I don't really see an issue with the Lucifer show and the Constantine character Lucifer being different. I don't think anyone's going to really care about that. Okay for me i mean i agree with you guys 110 percent across the board there's not a whole lot else to add there other than i'm just surprised that that this came up now and we were just talking about it earlier this year i thought it was kind of fun i'm never gonna say no to a keanu reeves movie so if they if they want to bring him back i'm there for it
3: and you're the reason why everybody wants him right now you yeah. know you're the reason why he's box office gold you and millions more. Like it's not just you. Because I love him. Like he's
2: just he's great, and I think he's only gotten better as an actor over time. Oh and, yeah. You know, it's been 15 years since that Constantine movie, so the character can evolve and change too. And he's not going to, you know, have the accent or anything that Matt Ryan's version of the character has. At least I hope not, because there'd be no explanation for it. But the character can change and become more accurate to the comics during those 15 years. So there's that possibility. If mm-hmm. you're curious what our thoughts are on the 2005 Constantine movie you can check out episode 194 from back in mid-March right before our COVID break actually that was the last episode we did so you can go and listen to our 15th anniversary retrospective all right well we've got one last thing it's not really news it's more just an update for you guys so WandaVision is officially premiering on January 15th of 2021 so it is not A 2020 release uh, as we had originally thought so with that in mind we have decided that we are actually going to review each episode as it releases that's not something we've done before on this show we've done entire season recaps we've done arc reviews you know like when the arrowverse does a big crossover but we've never done every episode of a particular season and we are going to do that with the first season of wandavision it is six episodes so we'll be doing six episodes reviewing wandavision starting with our uh, episode the following week so the live stream on january 19th or the release on the 21st that that's what we will be talking about we'll still do news we might still do some other things but that's what we're going to do is we're going to be reviewing wandavision week by week as it releases in 2021
4: and don't think of it as a strict review it's you know it's going to be a discussion and Talk about Easter eggs that we may have noticed and, you know, uh, theories on what's coming up in the series and whatnot. And let's get real. I mean, COVID is is affecting our station uh, or our podcast just as much as affecting everybody else. So, yeah, I mean, we we want to do things that people want to listen to. And, you know, not everybody wants to listen to our reviews of shitty old movies or whatever we happen to be reviewing that week so yeah we're just trying to try something new and if you if people like it then that's great and we'll keep doing it and if not then maybe we'll still keep doing it who knows (laughs) but yeah if you like it make sure you give us feedback and what and that you want us to do more of that
3: Mm -hmm.
2: anything you'd like to add ray
3: i am not quite sure i remember uh, agreeing to episode by episode but i'm good with it so i'm on board
4: we actually have a contract that rachel signed uh it's called saying, facebook messenger yeah it's facebook messenger where she agreed to do this so yes. don't let her
2: fool you yes it is happening That's right. I, i'm
3: fine with that like i'm not upset <laughs> you're
2: really we're a marvel fun. girl so we need you yeah yes you're our
4: expert
3: i have to point out all the easter eggs for you That's guys right because
4: i won't notice them
3: The thing is, you guys will probably notice the MCU stuff because I don't pay attention to that as much, but I'm going to be the one over in the corner who absolutely is like squealing over all the comic stuff.
4: That's what we need. We need you there for that.
2: We'll also probably dive into some of the the wider entertainment stuff that they touch on, like the shows that they're parodying and some of the techniques that they're using, because there's some pretty cool stuff that I think... Is very unique to not only mo- you know, superhero stuff, but just modern television in general. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do.
3: So Ryan's on the MCU Easter eggs, uh, I'm on the comic Easter eggs, and Derek's on the technical uh, applications. This, I, I do not know that
4: I agreed to that part. Yeah. I mean, geez, that's a
2: lot of pressure. It is. And my thing may be over at some point. You know, they may just stop, they might drop that at some they, point.
3: They may you know? stop making the show, making
2: the show no, like, but yeah. they might There'll be stop. no
4: production anymore
2: they're going to stop referencing or parodying or or you know things like that the the older shows like you know but
3: it'll still have technical applications yes that
2: is true but that's not Derek, what you're i not said getting out of this stop trying that's to get out of what it. i was talking about but it's fine it's fine you know what we're gonna go take a break and when we come back from our break we're talking netflix's project power and then after that we'll be talking a bit about the mandalorian we will be right back All right. And we are back to talk Project Power. Project Power is a Netflix movie that came out earlier this year, actually in August, it stars Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It uh, doesn't have a theatrical release or anything like that. So we're not talking numbers or that sh- sort of thing. But the quick synopsis for anybody who may not be familiar with what this is and this spoiler warnings for Project Power, I suppose. When a pill that gives its users unpredictable superpowers for five minutes hits the streets of New Orleans, a teenage drug dealer and a local cop must team up with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. So that is the general synopsis on IMDb. All right, guys, let's do this. What was your initial overall thoughts, impressions, feelings?
3: I really like the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it sh- was able to uh, show superheroes uh, from a, a different culture. The movie was definitely more from uh, a black point of view, and I think that is very important for, you know, obviously the diversity of film. And I absolutely adored the story i thought they were able to show some powers in a really unique way Uh the stretchy guy towards the end you know we've seen stretchy powers multiple times but this actually made them seem uh formidable
4: yeah i mean i i enjoyed it um You know, there's I have I have some big complaints about it, too. But overall, I always have enjoyed and I've talked about on the show before the concept of random people like each person getting a unique power. Um, You know, there's a book series called uh, Wild Cards that has a similar premise where it's an alien virus that for some people makes them evil and like turns them into a monster. And for some people, makes them like a superhero um, you know, and, the, and there's series of books where everybody's born with a specific uh, magical ability. Uh, and it could be that you pee, you know, uh, in different colors or that you spit, you know, uh, alcohol or something like that. Or it could be that you can grow plants really big, like poison ivy or something like that. Um, and, you know, those were book series that I enjoyed as a kid. And so anything that's like random powers always gives you the hope that, you know, maybe I have something like that in me. And so I kind of, I've always liked that. And I think this movie executed it pretty well, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I anticipated. I'll put it that way.
2: Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. I think that definitely seeing all the different types of powers was cool. And the way they were portrayed was pretty impressive, especially given that this was a Netflix movie and not like a massive blockbuster. I don't have Budget information, unfortunately, so I don't know what they spent on. I don't this, think but Netflix but releases that, do they? Not, not usually, no. Uh, so it's a little disappointing. So I can't really put this in perspective with another film to compare it to for a baseline. But I thought the effects looked really solid, right? When the the bank robber guy is is got the chameleon powers and stuff, I thought that was just really well done. And uh, you know, the the sequences of the the drug taking effect and everything maybe were a little more a little more cliche a little less original but the powers themselves being shown were really kind of realistic gritty unique it felt very i don't know I f- it felt kind of like a slightly better incarnation of what we've seen from the live action x-men movies
3: mm-hmm.
2: from that standpoint just the, the the powers themselves um you know there's there's a few few little issues that i have here and there but yeah overall i was really happy with this, I thought that the main cast—Jamie Fox, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback—did a really good job. Um, I was floored to find out that Dominique is actually t- well; she was 29 when this movie was made. I, that was really surprising to me. She does not appear to be like 30, but uh, you know, I thought that wasn't just kind of interesting. What did you guys think of the pill itself? Like how it worked, you know, it was timed for five minutes, uh, the, ex- the, the the vast range of it working either really well or really, really badly, how it was portrayed. What do you guys think of the pill?
3: So I have thoughts. First of all, the way they made it look never makes me want to take it. I don't <laughs> because like something about it having a mechanical aspect to it, you know, you have to twist it to activate it. And it's exactly five minutes, which, you know, medicine doesn't work like that. No drugs work like that. Everybody's just a little different. It's like, oh, this may kick in. It may not. It may do this. It may not. Uh, Which to me is completely inconsistent with the you don't know what power you're getting. It seems like if they've got that down, you should be able to buy certain powers, now the powers themselves were really cool. It sucks that some people's DNA was completely, I guess, incompatible to the, the pill, and they ended up, you know, o doing oding and exploding, or you know that one woman who froze to death. Uh, but I like it. The movie started, and I was like, yeah, I'd probably take that pill. It'd be really difficult for me not to. And then I see it, and I'm like, nope, 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 giant pass, giant, giant pass. So that's where I'm at on the pill itself.
4: I thought it was cool. I I was on the opposite end, where I think that uh, it's not something that you've seen explored a lot, having a pill be mechanical rather than, you know, just something that dissolves in our body or whatever. Um, And I think it's a little easier for me to swallow, so to speak, the uh, five minute <laughs> um, time when it's something that's regulated by mechanics rather than just your body's digestive system.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I, I thought it pill put pills neat looking and you know, I like the fact that you had to turn it to activate it. And, uh, you know, I thought that was not something I've really seen before in movies. So I thought that was cool.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm back and forth on it. Because I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle with you guys. Do you, do you So I guess you have to what? You have to like poop out the medical, the metal part. It's the mechanical part at some point. Probably.
4: I mean, I don't think that's yeah. really important to the story. So I didn't really think about it.
2: But I mean, I think it depends how many of those you take, you know. Could get important after a little while.
3: Because of you. Now I have to picture Joseph Gordon-Levitt having shrapnel poops. And I'm very upset with you. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Yeah, yeah you should be. That was horrible.
2: I apologize. I do. (laughs) It did look cool though. It definitely didn't look like something I'd want to put inside my body either, but you know, I thought that it was a neat way of showing it. It kind of took the next step from limitless. Did you guys see limitless at all? So that was uh, not quite this level of course, but the idea is you take this pill and it unlocks your brain's potential. It's another one of those. We only use 10% of our brain things. And this was like which the if next... we
3: did we'd completely like fall over and be drooling and we couldn't like use anything and yeah no
2: so so this was just kind of the next evolution I think the next step from what those pills looked like and the way those those were portrayed so I appreciated that it the, the twisting mechanism was really cool until they kind of ignored it in a pivotal scene and that was a little disappointing so when You're talking
4: about the Jamie Fox scene yeah they they didn't ignore it he did it with his tongue.
3: Yeah.
2: He's he a- spun it with his tongue.
4: Yes. Yeah. you have seen people that can tie cherry stems and knots okay. with their tongue. I'm pretty sure I mi- that.
2: So that's not the scene I was talking about, but I missed that he did that. So it answers the scene. Anyway, I was talking about the one where he was handcuffed to the chair still, but if he could do it with his tongue, then I guess it doesn't matter. I didn't realize that he did that. I missed that. Okay. Problem solved. Done. <laughs> now, This takes place in New Orleans, which for me, I thought was really cool because every freaking movie has to take place in like Chicago, New York or L.A. And -hmm. it's nice when I get to see something that is taken seriously, that is in kind of a sci-fi or superhero style genre, but in somewhere else. Right. It's one of the reasons, you know, I love that Shazam was in Philly. I love that this is in a different city. This is in New Orleans. Did that do anything for you guys? I thought it was super cool.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm on the same page. A huge issue I have with Marvel Comics is 90% of them all take place in New York City. And anytime they address the rest of the U.S. or the rest of the world, even, they completely ignore any crime that happens there. They kind of blow it off. Like everything happens in New York. And, It's, it just, it gets old. It gets repetitive. Like, you can only see the uh, Empire State Building drawn so many times. And I, I loved it. I love that they picked a different city and all the Saints references here and there. Uh, They really used the city to its full potential. And I, I thought the city was a decent uh, character in it. Self,
4: I'm not really in the same camp as you guys. Uh, it was fine, but I thought they went like way too heavy with it. Mm. Like I don't need 20 Katrina references in the span of an hour and a half to that was remind, a lot. Me, remind me that this is what New Orleans has been through. And that's not going to age well because at a certain point, p- kids won't be really getting taught about Katrina and they won't remember it. Um, you know, the, the saints Jersey and like, I don't know there was a, it was a lot and uh, it's fine. I was, it was cool. If they had been more subtle with it, I think it would have been better for me because um, I thought one thing this movie did really well. And I think you guys kind of touched on, it was showing us a different, uh, 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 like more urban, I guess maybe is the term uh, life that we don't really see in superhero and sci-fi movies. Um, Attack the block did a good job with that and this movie did a good job with that but i think they went a little too heavy into that on in a lot of points um but yeah it was it was cool to see it in new orleans i just wish they hadn't been that heavy handed with it i mean it was it was a lot to deal with and I, and maybe if i lived in new orleans and i could be like yeah new orleans is cool seeing all this stuff but uh for me it felt me it made me feel more like oh, okay i guess kansas city's cool too but you know <laughs> Because, you know, they're talking, this is is not how we do it in New Orleans or whatever uh, his big line was. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, where he's like hyping up how this isn't how they do the year. That implies that everywhere else, it's okay for you to come into our streets and like push a bunch of drugs and we're okay with it because we're not New Orleans. Um, So, I don't know. I felt kind of the opposite of you guys on most of it.
2: Fine. I think that last bit about Joseph Gordon-Levitt is that problem where the cops are all corrupt except the one guy who's really just doing his job well. But he's also corrupt because (laughs) he's using drugs, illegal drugs. Absolutely.
3: I don't think they, I don't even think he denies it. Like he doesn't think he's perfect. He says that he does (laughs) bad things. So I actually don't think that there is the one cop who does the good work kind of thing. I think they lean into everybody's just a little bit bad here at least a little bit bad if not more
2: <laughs> i don't know i think they, they 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 look at that right like they peel back that curtain and then they immediately take a step away from it by him saying yeah i do these bad things but it's to help the people of new orleans right it's kind of like the the batman or the daredevil you know mentality right where it's okay to do illegal bad things as long as it's to bad people or to yeah. save good people. Right. Yeah, so people
3: he, are sociopaths.
2: So I mean, like I think it just follows that same trend or or cliche, that trope of, well, it's okay to, to you're still the good guy if you're doing the bad stuff to stop the bad guys. Right. Right. You know, because like at the end of the day, New Orleans is not a small town, and we really only get two cops of any real significance in this movie because his partner is shot very early on and is immediately gone for the rest of the film, but it's him and the captain, the captain's on the take. So he's a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you just have Joseph Gordon-Levitt who's driving around in, I guess what used to be a cop car with very, very little oversight, no partner. It wasn't, he wasn't assigned another partner or anything like that. Who's just out at crazy hours doing his own thing. And You know, it it was just kind of interesting for them to paint it that way, because it seemed like the only way for a cop to do the right thing and do a good job in this scenario was to just be a complete vigilante. (laughs)
4: Yeah. And to go buy drugs from a 15 year old girl around while she was supposed to be in the movie.
2: Yeah. So I wasn't like I was a little unclear about their relationship and like how that got started. Right, like was she just his supplier, or were they doing other things like trying to catch other people or anything like that? Or was that just a transactional relationship? I thought
4: it was just a transactional relationship. And and later in the movie they touch on it and she he says, I think to her mom or somebody that he does business with her with her daughter or something like that. So I wasn't sure if
2: that was just like cover or not. Could have know? been.
4: Movie doesn't really explain it. So it's okay. kind of at our discretion to figure out what we want to think.
2: But overall, I mean, I thought Joseph Gordon-Levitt did a good job. I like seeing him in more action-heavy roles. I think he pulls it off well. I think he's a good actor and he brings kind of a level of seriousness and, and confidence to the role. The same as Jamie Foxx, where it's just you can take it a little more seriously.
4: I, again, kind of disagree. Um, I thought the girl uh, was the best of the three of them personally and that Jamie Foxx and uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt they were good for like I would say like 80% of the movie but then the other 20% it was way overacted and took me out of it like it was not believable that this person would act like this you know it, it was it was so far over the top um so that that took me out of it a good amount um but yeah, I mean I was really impressed with the girl. I don't know her from anything, I don't think, and and uh, she was the best of the 3 of them by far in my opinion.
3: I honestly I I think the 3 of them have really good chemistry together. I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is kind of a chameleon or at least he's grown into it. I can see him in you know the uh inception-like drama where he plays a suit And uh, this kind of drama where he plays an action hero, kind of gritty, grimy, that kind of thing. And Jamie Foxx, as an actor, I feel like he's completely underrated. Yes, I know he got an Oscar for Ray, But really, since Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, things have kind of gone downhill for him. The stuff he's put out hasn't been that great. So I thought this was a much better showing of his acting style. He really deserves roles that are subtle because he brings out the strength and the subtlety. And then absolutely, uh, Dominique did a great job as Robin. She she was like just magnetic. My eyes went straight to her every time. I loved her rap. So I wanted more of that so much more than that i would watch a whole sequel uh, that's just like her eight mile you know (laughs) we just watch her perform constantly um but everything that she did she easily can be put into the mary sue trope that you know guys hate so much but i think that it makes sense you know she she sews up Jamie Foxx and she's like, "Oh, my mom works here." So I I didn't know how to do my mom's job, but it doesn't sound contrived.
2: Yeah, it worked for me. I didn't really, I mean, I guess the stitching part, I didn't really think too too hard about that, but you're right. That doesn't necessarily follow. I think maybe these three stand out even a little bit more because everybody else in the movie is completely expendable. You know, I think you could have put any other actor in any other role and nobody would have noticed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not like no villain really stands out. You know, you've got like three villains, I guess, in this movie, but they're completely interchangeable. There's still very little to go off of about, you know, they're just bad. They're just the bad guys. And you've got Newt, who's very quickly gone anyway. And so like, I just feel like, there's nobody else in the movie. It's kind of like when you play a video game, you know, and you've got like you and then there's like the NPC that you're trying to take through a place. And they're just, these are just disposable characters through the story. Does that yeah, make sense?
4: That's a good point. The villains were definitely forgettable and and almost everybody was forgettable. I thought the police cap or police chief or whatever, he was pretty good. But um, yeah, it was, I one thing I will say as a positive for this movie is that, a lot of the predictions that I made early on were it, it didn't go with like uh, as soon as I met the mom that was sick and like needed the medication, the soup, I was like, she's going to be dead in the next bit. And then that's going to probably fuel the girl on to going on and doing her thing. Fuel Robin. Um, I think her name was. But, um, you know, they didn't kill her off. And then as soon as I saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, partner, I was like, well, that guy's going to die. That's going to, you know, because then he's going to need a new partner and Jamie Foxx is going to fit in that role that he didn't die. He got shot, but uh and got sidelined for the rest of the movie. So he might as well have been dead, I guess. But <laughs> um, the only like big prediction that that they ended up doing was Jamie Foxx taking the pill. It's like, you know, I feel like it would have been more powerful if he hadn't taken the pill and had just figured a way around it. So that it wasn't like everything is dependent on you don't have to have this pill to win. Um, because like everything in the movie portrays taking the pill as a bad thing, but then they in the end had to have it to win. You know, they would have lost. You know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt would have gotten killed in two minutes, and then Jamie Fox. I thought it was more powerful that Jamie Foxx was not taking the pill, as like a you know like Batman doesn't kill kind of thing. Like he's not taking the pill, but he wants to beat people that will take the pill, and he does. Uh, so. Several times, so I mean, I don't know. I I was kind of disappointed that they went that or that way, and it seemed a little too predictable. But I don't know. Did you guys feel the same way?
3: Um, I really wanted once he mentioned that he has the pistol shrimp's power. I really wanted to see it, so I'm kind of glad he did. And uh, I had never heard of the pistol shrimp. I had to Google it. Okay, after this, this is going to answer
4: a question for me because I knew what a pistol shrimp was. I love them. I think they're super cool animals, but like. If for somebody who doesn't know what a pistol shrimp is, that line where he's like, "the pistol shrimp," <laughs> you know, it, like, and he's trying to talk all badass about a pistol shrimp, like, yeah, they are badass. But to somebody like you who didn't know what a pistol shrimp was, did you still get that vibe, or did you not think that was cool until after you googled it?
3: No, when he said it, I I was like, "Please explain yourself, sir." And the way he explained it, it did sound really cool. So, I. I thought it was movie contrivance. To be completely honest, I was like, "There's no way that is a real animal that has that real effect." And but as soon as he said it, I was like, "I want to see this. I want to see them do this." So I'm glad they did, and I'm glad when I googled it, it was a real thing. And they were—they can
4: crack fucking fish tanks with their claws. It's like a big problem with them. They're so powerful.
3: Yeah. So
2: I. Actually had to look it up because I thought they made a mistake because there I knew of a different shrimp called the mantis shrimp mm-hmm. that has almost the exact same abilities. It's very 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 similar. Yeah, and there's even like a bunch of articles comparing the two. So I thought they screwed up. <laughs> so I was like, fair. wait a minute, I thought it was something. Yeah, but uh, so that was really interesting. I I was totally fine with him using the pill if they had let him die. What ruined it for me was that he goes and he does it. It's a really cool sequence. I thought the special effects were great. I thought they did a really good job showing this very strange power that is not a human ability in any way. Right. And it, it, it did a really cool job. She's showing the guys disintegrate the bullet melts, you know, and he brings the crane down. I thought it was really cool and they had built up the whole time about what a sacrifice this is, how dangerous it is when he goes off on the pill. And I thought, you know, when he collapses at the end and Robin can't revive him and, then, you know, Tracy, you see her walk by the little plant. Right. And the plant kind of perks up and gets better earlier and during her escape. So I'm like, well, that's coming back. But it failed. Right. Her healing failed. I was like, man, that was really good. Like they kind of built that up. They got up my expectations that it was just going to be another happy ending, but they're not going to do it. They're really going to stick to it. And then she just tries it again and it worked. And that that took that kind of killed it for me.
4: The part that killed it for me beyond what I already said, the predictability, was that somehow in the middle of this, he's disintegrating guys, disintegrating bullets, seemingly out of control, yet somehow it manages to miss Robin, who's literally standing right next to somebody who disintegrates right next to her. But she's fine.
3: I wondered if he could kind of control it or aim. He
4: talks about how out of control he is and like how he killed all these people before the last time he did it. But then he can control it enough to where I don't know. It was, it seems stupid.
2: The only reason that was okay for me, well, like there were two parts to it. One was he did throw something in that direction that hit the guy that she was next to. So it did show some level of control. But the other woman, the big bad she also didn't die from it. She actually dies from him throwing the crane on top of her later. So Mm -hmm. since both of them survived it, it was more believable to me than just the good guy being okay. Does that make sense? Yeah.
4: I mean, I still don't buy it, but I, I, I understand your justification for it in your mind.
2: It felt less cheap that way. You know, I just, I really think that this movie being gritty and dark and serious and doing a really good job balancing those emotions having him die in the end to save his daughter but also to save robin and everything i thought would have been a really fitting ending
4: i just think the whole movie would have been more powerful if instead of uh them having to take the pills to beat the guys with the pills that they would i don't know i guess i tend to like superheroes that don't have powers that you know find creative ways to take out people that do have powers instead of just doing what they do and getting powers and doing it you know beating them at their own game that's less exciting for me personally
3: i mean this movie is basically a a tower defense movie from the point of the people attacking you know like he has to go through all these uh guys just to get to the big boss at the end right and the fact that he's able to do so Without, you know, using any of that is pretty spectacular. And getting
4: captured I-
2: doesn't really take a lot of
4: work. <laughs> true. Very
3: true. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's
2: there's a few like tropey things that happen there, right? Like, it's a right. superhero
3: movie. It was going to have tropes. For like, oh, sure. There's no way it could be 100% unique. Of course
2: of course a hundred percent it just it has like the, the very big superhero failing a super he- villain failing of i've got the hero and i'm gonna kill him but like in but 10 later minutes. yeah later <laughs> i'm gonna do
4: it i gotta right? i gotta make him wait to watch this first
2: i'm gonna move him out of my sight so i have no idea what's going on and leave him with these two henchmen two inept or, guards or one guard by the end of it <laughs> right and that's gonna be that and it just like I don't know. I would have preferred that to be maybe a little bit different, but the boat stuff I thought was really cool. Having Robin have to walk uh, Joseph's character through the doors and kind of unlock them and stuff I thought was really interesting. And it's a different kind of setting. We don't normally get a setting like that in any of these movies. And I thought it worked really well from that standpoint.
4: I will say overall, the director of this movie was really interesting to watch. It reminded me of uh, the first time I watched Creed and was really impressed at uh, the interesting shots and the way, uh, the way it was filmed. Um, I, I'm not familiar. I don't even know the director's name for this, but I was very impressed by whoever it was.
2: So there's two directors that are credited, Henry Joost and Ariel Shuman, Shulman, excuse me, Shulman.
4: Well, I hope to see more from them because the, the scene is the one that really stands out to me. I thought most of the fight scenes were pretty lackluster, but uh, the one where the girl is in the tank and you're mm-hmm. seeing like out through the like kind of frosty windows, oh, yeah. uh, the action, um, and it's like moving window to window, almost like in a single shot. That was really interesting and cool, and a fun way to fight that scene. And then like the kind of mid-credit scene, whatever it was, um, with her like writing in the notebook um, mm-hmm. on the on the under the bridge. It was just like a really beautiful shot. Um, it kind of reminded me of like uh, Into the Spider Verse. Um, that kind of creativity. So there was a lot of shots like that where I I was really impressed and I hope to see more from. I got that vibe too. Yeah.
3: I really liked both those shots, the storytelling point of view f- with the uh, inside the container where the woman is slowly freezing to death. I guess it wasn't that slow to be completely honest. No, It was she, pretty painful. You know, it it shows two things. One, it shows the um, f- mortality, the the danger of this drug, and just how important it is to regulate it. And then it also shows that no one cares about her at this time. No one is going to help her. Nobody is going to fix this. Every single person in that room it has a higher priority including the guy she came with you know he's getting his ass kicked other people are getting shot to death uh or you know stabbed with ice through the jugular so i i it told two stories at once which it's absolutely brilliant
4: yeah that shot was definitely my favorite from the whole movie it was just a really creative way of showing an action scene and also pulling story into it Mm -hmm. um So, yeah, that's
2: fair. Is there anything else you guys want to touch on uh, for Project Power before we move on to our Mando talk?
3: I would be interested in a sequel, you know, following Tracy and her unique powers. I would be uh, definitely interested to see those particular uh, directors get a hold of a bigger budget superhero film definitely you know agree if they aren't approached to do you know television or disney mandalorian or you know they could definitely direct a few episodes of the justice league dark show once that's a thing i would adore that and then you know possibly bigger better stories
2: fair enough fair enough awesome all right well yeah that's that's going to be it then for project power i hope you enjoyed our conversation on that we're going to take a short break and when we come back we're going to be talking about the mandalorian and stuff that's happened in the the most recent episode chapter 11 so spoiler warnings for that we will be right back
0: 18 plus.
2: All right, and we are back talking The Mandalorian. So the most recent episode, chapter 11 was called The Heiress. And we thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about this cuz our sibling show Echo Station covers Star Wars. That's what they are. They're a Star Wars podcast and so they're doing what they call the Mandafetso and are reviewing the episodes of the Mandalorian uh, as they release bi-weekly. So you can get a new episode from them this week. They cover chapters 10 and 11 on that episode. So you can go check them out echo station, but we also love star Wars and we've really been enjoying the Mandalorian. So we thought we'd also talk a little bit about the Mandalorian.
4: And I think the things that they look fat look at over there are a little different than the things we look at.
2: So Definitely, sometimes it won't
4: be, uh, it won't be us saying the same stuff they did.
2: Well, we definitely have different perspectives, I think, you know, when we're talking Star Wars. So let's let's kick things off, guys. Let's what do you want to touch on first here? There's there's some big, big, you know, low hanging fruit. There's some some smaller stuff. Is there something that really caught your eye on Chapter 11?
4: Well, we could probably talk about all three of the episodes in season two, I'd imagine, because, uh, you know, we haven't at all. Let's Um, do it. Uh, I think that the second episode was the worst of the three so far. It was definitely more of a filler episode, um, but it was still maintained, you know, some interest for me, obviously uh, being a star Wars show. The first one was great with uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant as Mm. he's, he's wonderful and basically Mm -hmm. everything I've ever seen him in. So, um, you know, having him come into the star Wars universe was, and, and as a, a sheriff essentially an old west sheriff was wonderful um i am a little worried that this show is just going to be like the same formula every season uh like goes to planet finds person to help him then that person sends him on a quest and then he comes back and pr- gets whatever he meant you know like it seems like that's the same thing quite often in the show is you know what what he ends up having to do but uh, as long as it maintains a certain level of you know i don't know what i'm trying to say filmmaking like as long as it, it maintains a level of being good then i'm okay with it to an extent but it'll it'll get a little long in the tooth if they don't mix it up a little bit i think because the third episode was kind of suffering from that a little bit too
2: that's fair i definitely think the first episode was the best of the three so far as well i really liked what they did with the raiders the tuscan raiders mm-hmm. the, yeah, it made this- them a little
4: more you know personal
2: well, it made them out to just not be wild monsters, right? This, they have an entire culture. They have a language. They brought in um, people to help create this language. It's based on sign language. They have rituals. They have a uh, code that they live by, you know? And I just thought that was a really cool way to take one of the first alien species we see in Star Wars and flesh them out into being something much more full and rich. I really like that a lot, and yeah, I mean, he Timothy was amazing, right? Mm -hmm. He was he was fantastic.
4: And the fact that uh, Boba Fett seems to be a Tusken Raider now, I thought was interesting. (laughs) He had the Tusken rifle and the gaffa stick on his back when we saw him. And there was, if you watched the episode uh, carefully, there when he was when the Mandalorian was sitting around like the fire discussing strategy with the Tusken Raiders, there was one Tusken Raider that like sat further away that i i think i think that was boba fett
3: Oh, cool theory
4: but i mean i don't I know like I, he definitely like he's wearing tuscan raider clothes when we see him and has the weapons of a tuscan raider so it mm-hmm. seems likely that's probably how he's been living since he escaped the sarlacc
2: that's interesting
3: yeah you know? totally makes sense very believable i'm
4: curious if they cover that in this show or if they wait until like if Boba Fett's done with this show and now is you know, they'll right. do that in the next show. He can't be done. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna have to wrap that up. They wouldn't have put so much into it.
2: You'd think just yeah. to like oh,
4: yeah. leave it floating out there.
2: I would imagine. I definitely would. And I think that also lends to why I'm a little disappointed in like the episode length. Each episode's been shorter than the last, and the third episode's like 35 minutes. And like, don't get me wrong. The production value is through the fricking roof with this show. It looks incredible constantly,
3: but consistency is important.
2: I I do like, you're right. I like consistency. I like sitting down and knowing this is going to take me 45 minutes. This is going to take me an hour and seeing each episode get shorter when there is so much other story out there is a little bit of a bummer. I think I'd rather them just make it six episodes and have each one be about an hour instead of, eight episodes and here's one that's a half hour Um, yeah i
4: mean i i struggle with that too because you know obviously we all love the content we all love the things that they're doing with the show so we want more but then also like we all love daredevil right when that came out but then we were like man there's a lot of filler they should have cut this down to be you know eight episodes or whatever instead of 10 or 13 or however many it was and i i i'm glad that they're not just adding filler for the sake of adding a padding out to an hour on each episode, but also I want more meaningful, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm at odds with myself um, because even if it was filler, it could be cool filler, you know? And I don't know.
2: Well, that's kind of what I'm saying though, is like they could instead of it being an eight episode count, make it six or seven, right. And have each one be about an hour sure right. but
4: we don't know that they're not the, all this all these story things that you want done we don't know that they aren't going to be doing those in in the run and in what they have i mean
2: mm-hmm. well right but i guess
4: what i mean so it's not like unexplored territory necessarily
2: yeah but like you're talking about like episode two is really mainly filler yeah right like the episode doesn't really serve much of a story purpose nobody really at grows. least not yet i mean i suppose it could pay off later i suppose but I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking the, the Yoda X-wing eating pilots the eggs come back thing. or oh, okay. no, I'm
4: thinking the eggs thing with Yoda was something you know that it that that was important
2: well, so so to that end, you could have taken episodes two and three, which combined for like an hour and fifteen minutes, right, and cut down the ice planet stuff a bit and still had baby Yoda eat a few eggs, right? on that journey to, to the planet. That's all I'm trying sure. to say. Like, I just, I don't know. I just feel like the pacing is a little weird,
4: but they're wanting that they're wanting to keep the show running as long as they can. The more weeks that they have of this show, the better for them. So, mm-hmm.
2: and I think that's, that's the root of the problem, right? Probably. Is that people like, like I've heard a lot of people lean back on the, well, this gives the directors and the writers, the, the freedom to tell the story they want to tell. And like, I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's what you just said. They want to stretch these out they want people to subscribe and if, a, if if they can get to eight weeks then people are going to switch over now they've got three months of the service instead yeah, and of if they can one. keep it
4: going until WandaVision comes out exactly. then they don't have any breaks on service so people want Star Wars and they want Marvel and that's what the big ones they want on Disney so you know I think yeah it's a it's,
2: very good point
4: yeah I do so
3: I actually really liked episode two I don't think it has any specific weight on the rest of the series. I can't see any, like, connection. But I thought that uh, a huge issue with Star Wars, and I'm just talking the 11 films, because that's what I've seen. I, I don't know the books, the games, the uh, cartoons at all. So that's what I'm talking about. The... Original Trilogy fails for me in the sense that Lucas created this massive universe, but never got to fill it out. And luckily over the years, so many different creators have gotten that. But for me, there's so many different planets and peoples and uh, customs that are not touched on in the films that each episode where the Mando goes to a new planet and encounters new uh, creatures and uh, races makes me just absolutely overjoyed. Those ice spiders were absolutely terrifying and I... As a storytelling situation, I really liked watching it. I thought it was a brief moment into, like, Star Wars horror. It reminded me of something that, like, John Carpenter would uh, direct. You know, he would build an entire movie off of those things. But, <laughs> and they would have been know. practical. Yes. Yes. It, it, but, like, the two scenes they were in were absolutely well done completely horrifying like they served their purpose so i really like the episodic nature of it i like the mando goes here has to do this thing and then he's able to move on but i think that's just because so many shows feel like they need to have such a huge overarching plot now, and it has to be world ending that I just like the scaled back nature of this.
4: I definitely agree on the sense that the uh, star Wars hasn't done a great job fleshing out like all these different planets, they go to the same places all the same, all the time. But the fact that um, that episode didn't actually carry any weight to the story that we're all tuning in for Mm-hmm. That was what bothered me more than anything like you you can still go to new planets. And they did in episode three um, and see new things. I mean, when was the last time you saw a boat in Star Wars? <laughs> and probably never. I don't unless it happened in the kids shows. I don't really understand or I don't really remember um, any ever seeing a boat.
2: There's probably boats on Naboo. And Are like, there? Because there's like the things
4: that go underwater, but there's not sure. like a just like a ship like a ship that is on top of the water. I
2: don't know. I, I never thought to look, but I can't I imagine boo has gotta have some boats.
4: It just felt it just felt very grounded. I don't yeah. I didn't try to bring it into argue semantics about you know, maybe there maybe on some planet there was a boat that wasn't even barely shown. But uh the fact that there's like a <laughs> whole scene in the water. You know, not yeah. with spaceships flying around. In a Star Wars movie, I tell you what, seeing ma- a, Mandal- a bunch of Mandalorians fight a bunch of these alien squid guys on a ship in the middle of the ocean was really cool. It Like, it was so grounded, but still Star Wars. That was really neat. And uh, I hope there's more of that because, you know... I- You don't always need giant space battles and, like Rachel said, world-ending stuff. Like, seeing these grounded things happen that you can kind of relate to, uh, that was really cool for me. And and the the only reason why I think that Episode 2 might tie into the larger story, and this is a real far stretch, Yoda didn't actually, like, chew or seem to eat the eggs. He just, like, swallowed them whole and i think maybe that again a stretch maybe he's like able to keep them safe or something and he wasn't actually eating them because the eggs seem att- seemed attracted to him
2: you but you think I he mean? would have given them to the frog people though. you
4: yeah i mean i that was my theory at the end of episode two so gotcha. i don't know that that necessarily holds its its weight at this point but holds that was water my hope. Huh, yeah <laughs> it, uh... that was my hope that it was uh gonna you know pay off and that the whole internet was gonna feel bad because they they demonized baby yoda for eating eggs when in fact he was just trying to help but then i want to be clear
2: i'm not demonizing him but he's kind of a little jerk
4: he has his moments yeah the whole spider thing was because of him so that's true
3: i i am not upset about that little kids get into stuff all the time but a little kid eating a baby's like lat or a Uh, Species, like, last chance at survival. Yeah. It wasn't the species'
4: last chance at survival. It was the bloodline's last chance at survival. It was just that one lady's...
3: You're you're fair. It doesn't necessarily
4: make it any better,
2: but... (laughs) He was killing off an entire bloodline. Yeah, he wasn't, like, making a species
4: extinct,
0: at least. That's
3: fair. That's fair. My bad. Uh, I I think it's important... that the character is an actual character right now and I'm not upset about it because it's just one season so far is he's just merchandise right now he is the cutest fucking merchandise I've ever bought and, and you will I will continue buying absolutely absolutely I am not tired of him at all but for this character to grow and be important, he needs to have flaws. Agreed. And the fact that he cannot help himself around like food is important. (laughs) I think it's great.
4: And it's very much like a child, you know? Yes. Um yeah, and and he's all of a sudden very hungry. Like in season one he was not that hungry. There wasn't a lot of food scenes. I mean there were, but he wasn't like gobbling other species you know, all the time. He ate one frog and then there's like some soup stuff, but
2: maybe he's about to have a growth spurt.
4: That's what I'm thinking is that it's like a biological thing. Like he's, he's, you know, calorie. I don't know. He's just, he's going to grow those last three
2: inches that he gets.
4: Yeah. Hey, he, Hey, he's got a few more inches. Don't, don't dog my man. Yoda like that <laughs> for me, episode three so far. Um, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite because episode one was done better, but the standout for me in that episode was not Bo-Katan or, or any of those other characters. It was just seeing this cool water planet with docks and like aquatic species being the main draw there. Um, There's just so much cool stuff that we haven't seen in Star Wars. And they're just, again, it was that kind of grounded feeling, right? Like we have docks here in mm-hmm. the real world. Um and, you know, seeing a bunch of aquatic species there that we don't get to see very often in the Star Wars uh, media was really cool. And I hope, I just hope, really hope that they do more with that kind of stuff because that was neat for me. Beyond space battles and everything else, seeing that was cool.
3: I completely agree. I absolutely cannot stand that every single sci-fi and fantasy planet has like one kind of terrain, you know. Hoth is the ice planet, and <laughs>
4: right. Tatooine is the sand planet, exactly. Although so, now we have Jakku and whatever, you know, there's right. a couple Others, but yeah.
3: So I, I'm glad to see something different. And yes. I don't know if this whole planet is a water planet, but water is not found in star wars very often and aside from the really weird storm scene that we have where ray kills kylo that's it so this was really cool to see uh, akbar's race doing what they do in their uh to make their society continue like that was really cool i was Great. super excited by it
4: yeah and see sailors in star wars Mm -hmm. like come on that's super awesome fishermen you know well
2: even just like the detail of how his ship was repaired you know like it's being held together with like nets and fishing rope and different you know wood planks and things of that nature and i just i thought that that was really clever because another sci-fi show like star trek would have just fixed the ship
4: yeah right yeah and, and that would have been the has end always been about like being dirty and grimy and not doing things right. That's been like what separates it from Star Trek in a lot of ways. Yeah, but I think
2: this this took it even a step farther in a, in a good way, in a very good way of showing the detail of that. Right. Because like the Falcon gets beat up a lot All in the, the movies time. and short of it getting a new dish in the pre in the sequel trilogy, not a whole lot really gets patched, right? You're not seeing different panels or anything like that. This got to sh- got to see that you got to see a ship really get beat up and have it be repaired in a subpar way that felt very real. I liked that a lot.
3: And the weird cephalopod that came down at the end. That, that was just I, creepy. <laughs> it, it, it totally was, but it goes with everything else that we've seen in that episode
4: also the ship that he or the like uh boat that he was on it looked like a repurposed hammerhead uh spaceship like the you know we've seen them in some of the movies um if you look at it it looks like one that they repurposed into a boat which i thought was a really cool detail it kind of goes along the same like the uh speeder that the a sheriff had in the first episode it looked like a repurposed engine from a uh, pod racer. Yeah. It mm-hmm. did. Um, so I like that, that we're seeing that now, like those things we saw in the early movies are now not working as well. And they're being repurposed into other things. I, I think that's great. And I, I yeah, I, uh, Filoni is wonderful and I hope that he continues <laughs> doing mm-hmm. so much awesome stuff like this.
2: I'm glad you brought up the pod racer thing because I had forgotten about that, and it was like the coolest thing, like such a great little detail. Well, people but- are
4: like, it's Anakin's pod racer. It's not fucking Anakin's pod racer. The universe isn't that small, okay?
2: <laughs> but it is a pod racer engine, and I love that they took something from the Phantom Menace that was really there just for kids, so they can make a video game. But it was a video also a game cool, I part. love by the way. Yeah, it's a cool scene. Or yeah. group of scenes, I guess, and to see that that technology survived in some capacity is fun. And it's to still be used, nom. yeah, yeah. I thought that was super cool. I'm glad it wasn't like him riding a full pod racer. That may have been maybe a, t- a, a just a tidbit too much, but
4: yeah, I think they did just just enough with it.
2: Yeah, and I think maybe that's the key here is that what Filoni and Favreau have been able to, to do is really walk that line between you know fan service and. And just world building. Yeah. You know, it's a tough line to walk. It really is. And sometimes we want fan service, you know, but they've really walked that line well. And I think that's what helps make the show really successful mm-hmm. from that standpoint. Uh, now we do get more Mandalorians. We get Bo Katan, who is a fan favorite of many, many people. Uh, she's played by Katie Sakoff, who voiced the character on Clone Wars and Rebels i'm a huge fan of her as an actor so of course i'm glad that they brought her to actually play the character um
4: Ironhead studios made those suits by the way those same did people that made the batman v superman suit
1: well That's there you really go cool. yeah
4: you know, they posted some behind the scenes pictures on their facebook if anybody's interested uh in seeing those yeah they turned out really neat definitely the standouts
2: it was a, it was a cool collection of scenes. Like when they're, when they're boarding the the ship and it's trying to take off and they're doing all of this during takeoff and fighting through and you got to see some thermal stuff, which I thought was really cool. And um, the, the captain guy was, I thought just, you know, kind of a good character. I thought he really handled all that. Well, it was just a good collection. I thought that the story in episode three was, was good. I just wish maybe it had been a little meatier. As someone who who appreciates action scenes, the, the best part of those Mandalorians
4: for me was seeing how different they are than our Mandalorian. Like, uh, you can tell that these are, like, soldiers trained in, like, group tactics because the way they fought together was, like, flawless. It was, you know, they were all used to fighting together. They knew what each other was going to do. They were able to read each other and work together, whereas, um, you know, our Mandalorian is a loner, who's not used to having other people and working with other people. And he fights that way too. He's like, he'll, he'll let himself get punched if it knocks his helmet into somebody back behind him, you know, he'll, he does these things because he's used to being the only one there. So having them all fight together and seeing how different they were was really cool. And also finding out that, uh, Mandal- that our Mandalorian's group was a, uh, like an extremist cult version And that he's actually, like, the extremist and not the normal one. That was really cool, too.
3: So, I... Yeah, same here. Because it it goes back to what I was saying, that every planet is just one thing. And forever, I thought the Mandalorians were, you know... Like, everybody is a bounty hunter slash warrior. And everybody never takes their mask off. And everybody is like this. So... I like seeing some diversity brought to it. And I like that he is completely unaware that he's the extremist. Yeah,
4: it was so great to see that. So cool. And yeah,
3: I'm curious to see that. if he
4: adop- adopts like, you know, it starts taking in things because she's like the literal Mandalore or has been in the past. And so, you know, you should probably listen to her.
2: Like, right. so, I mean, my theory there kind of falls in line with what Pedro Pascal wants, right? Cause he wants to be the guy in the suit and it's a lot easier to, to convince people to let him do that. If he has to take the helmet off on a regular basis, right? Right. So if you start having it where he really only wears the helmet when he's on a mission and he's in combat or about to be, and he has the helmet off the rest of the time, then Hey, he gets to be your guy.
4: We'll look at like Iron Man and Captain America right. and Thor, like all these guys wear headgear, but they find any reason to take it off. I mean, exactly. Thor lost his headgear, you know, 10 minutes into the first movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, you know, I, it, of course there, it's, it seems very likely that that's the way they're going. And I'm fine with it because they're explaining it well. And it was a question yeah. a lot of people had after the first season. Why can Bo uh, take her helmet off in in the uh, cartoons? But then this guy can't, you know, something's weird there. And that was how they explained it. And I thought that was really a great way of doing it. And I'm hoping to see some growth um, from our Mandalorian about, you know, that he adopts the more widespread principles. And maybe that'll put him at odds with like the blacksmith armor person and some of those uh, people that he've worked, he's worked with in the past
3: this is fantastic it's going to create new story opportunities for the writers it's going to create conflict between uh the people that he is used to surrounding himself with and uh ones that he is surrounding himself with now and it's going to create an opportunity for us to actually have pedro pascal more involved in the show which is what he wants so i think all around the Bo-Katan storyline needs to continue. I think it's a good thing.
2: And I think that's a good note to end on this week. Uh, This section went a little bit longer than, than we really anticipated because we covered three different episodes. So if we continue this, it'll be, you know, just covering whatever the next one is. But I think that's a good place to stop for us this week. Next week, we are celebrating the 10th anniversary of Tron legacy. So we'll be discussing both Tron movies, I'm sure, to some extent next week. So those are available on Disney Plus as well, if you'd like to watch and then talk uh, with us in chat about that, because we record this live Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern in our Facebook group, the Screen Heroes Podcast Forum. So you can find us facebook.com slash group slash Screen Heroes we are doing a DC casting tournament. You can come vote for your favorite DC castings in the group as well. We post news and memes and other fun things. Of course, you can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcast.com. And the show is available for you to subscribe to on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, Podcast Attic, and so many more podcast services. I am the Star Trek Dude. You can find me out there on Twitter. Ryan, where can people find you?
4: Uh, at buster
2: props and ray where can people find you
3: i'm at siren ray
2: fantastic we are screen heroes on the heroes podcast network thank you for joining us we'll catch you next week